Welcome to the Sustainable Nano Podcast, Winter Holiday Edition. I'm your host, Miriam Kraus. Today we have just a quick little mini episode for you. Everybody's busy in December, but before we head into the darkest time of the year, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, we wanted to bring you this quick interview about something bright and colorful, carbon dots. I asked Professor Christy Haynes from the University of Minnesota to tell me a bit about her lab's work on these interesting materials. Not coincidentally, Christy is also the Associate Director of the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which produces our podcast. So without further ado, here's my interview with Christy Haynes. So I asked you to talk with us today because it's December and there's lots of cultures around the world that have celebrations of light because it's really dark. We're, we're based here in Minnesota where it's getting dark around 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, but one of the things I think is really cool about Center Research is these uh, carbon dots that you work on in your lab. So can you explain a little bit about what they are and what they do? Yeah, um, among the technical community, the people that are making these nanoscale materials, carbon dots actually encompass several different things. There are some carbon dots that are crystalline, meaning the atoms are ordered in a very systematic way. And then there are some that are kind of like balls of carbon and other elements, more like polymers. And the reason people are interested in carbon dots is because they can be made out of pretty sustainable materials. Um, we have lots of sustainable materials that are carbon-based on our planet, and because they have some surprising properties, namely that they emit light, bright light, at a variety of wavelengths, so it looks different colors. And actually, there's kind of a mystery in the field that people don't exactly know the molecular reasons that they're quite as bright, or, or even like emitting light at all, actually. Cool. So um, what do they have to do with nanotechnology? Well, they are nano-sized, for sure. Um, they are, you know, little chunks of usually carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, mostly. And they are generally in the 3 to 5 to 10 nanometers in diameter, so they're quite small. Another reason you would put them in the nanotechnology category is because one of the hypotheses about why they emit the light they emit is that they show what we would call kind of quantum behavior. Namely, that the reason they're bright is because they're smaller than the wavelength of light, which means that there's some unusual something in their electronic, how their electrons are organized, that lets them behave in a kind of unusual fashion, emitting this like kind of quantum phenomenon. So are they being used in, would we find them in our day-to-day -day technology yet, or what are some potential uses for them? As far as I know, no, you would not find them in technology yet. They're pretty new, even just in the kind of cutting-edge research field. The reason we started working with them in the center was a really practical reason. Um, you can buy any display that you have now, your laptop, your phone, and it has something in it called quantum dots. And these are have quantum phenomena in kind of the same way that people are thinking carbon dots might, uh, but they're made out of elements that are not super sustainable, things like cadmium and indium, for example. And we started working on carbon dots, thinking of them simply as a potential swap for those quantum dots. So the idea was take something that's made out of something we have a lot of, and um, if you can get it even half as bright as those cadmium-based materials, maybe we can swap those into monitors. We're not quite there yet. Um, can we make carbon dots on a scale that you would have enough that are red and green and blue to make the pixels in a monitor at the pace that we use electronics? No. Is that possible in the future? I think yes, but before we can do that, honestly, scientists need a more fundamental understanding of exactly how they work so that we can purposefully make that red and green and blue so that we have the pixels that we're used to having. 
So what's the next step for your lab? Is there something that you're excited about coming up? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think we've gone beyond thinking about the carbon dots just as a potential simple swap for quantum dots. I think I th- still think that's interesting. I'm excited about that. But I think we're interested in pushing it much further than that. Uh, we're starting to think about carbon dots. I mentioned that they're kind of like tiny polymer balls. We're starting to think about what those kind of polymer balls could hold and then deliver selectively or what they could, maybe they could act like a tiny sponge and essentially do remediation. If you have, for example, some kind of pollutant in a system, maybe they could actually pick those things up and they could light up when they take up something that you need to get rid of in some kind of biological or environmental system. I think there's lots of places to go um, because you can you have so much flexibility in terms of the chemistry you design in because it's they're made out of simple organic molecules. And if we can understand the fundamentals of what makes them light up, we can design into those organic molecules something that tells us when there's something there that we don't want to be there or when there's something that we do want to sense. So I think there's tons of potential routes to go with this as a platform. But first, we need the fundamental chemistry understanding. So one last question. I know that your lab collaborated on a Journal of Chemical Education article about using carbon dots in high school and and college classes. Can you give a little pitch for that if we have anybody listening who's involved in a high school or college chemistry class? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll first say how this came about. I had a summer undergraduate working in my lab, and she was making carbon dots to understand these fundamentals. And she had this thought, wow, these are not that hard to make. I should write a blog about how people that read our blog could make carbon dots. And then people within the center that were reviewing the blog post she was writing thought, no, this should be much bigger. We could think about this more pedagogically so that people in high school or college classrooms could use this. And so the activity that we have in JCHEMED has several different levels of difficulty. One is simply making these carbon dots and getting these beautiful fractions that light up, which is always fun. Um, Another is actually starting to measure what we call the quantum yield. And so this is an important property for any molecule that emits light. Essentially, it tells you for how many photons of light I shine on it, how many of the new color do I get out? And you want the highest quantum yield possible. And then there's even a third level that gets into even more complexity about how you use a much more advanced spectrum spectrometer to, you know, really dig in deep to the optical properties of these materials. So, but the precursors you need to make these are super simple. You can do the emission experiment with just a simple kind of UV flashlight that you can buy on any website for, you know, 10 bucks. So it's not super expensive to get in, but you can take it all the way to this really advanced kind of upper level undergraduate level without too much trouble. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this little mini interview in honor of the the darkest time of the year we can start talking about how we can get some really cool lights from chemistry yeah i hope people enjoy diwali solstice christmas wherever they think of their light in the holidays and that's it for this mini episode of the sustainable nano podcast thanks for listening and thanks again to dr christy haynes for doing the interview with me This podcast is produced by the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which is funded by the National Science Foundation. Our usual disclaimer, though, the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of the National Science Foundation. Our music is by PC3 and Dexter Britton. Want more Sustainable Nano? You can subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, or listen to any of our episodes and see show notes at podcast.sustainable-nano.com. We also have a blog with close to 300 posts now, mostly written by students in the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which you can find at sustainable-nano.com. And you can reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at sustainablenano, all one word. We'd love to hear from you. 
Thanks for listening to this final Sustainable Nano episode of 2019, and remember that sometimes tiny things can provide a lot of light. <laughs>